0: Good morning everybody. Good morning. So so as you've heard, uh, Rich is in California. I guess the memorial service that he's doing, uh, he did yesterday, went very well, so thanks for praying for him. So my name is Justin. I'm usually teaching the little people in the back, so I'm teaching the big people today. I also uh, am a school teacher. I teach special ed at Winman Middle School. And I just have to tell you this awesome story this week. So I'm planning for the service today. I have lots of things going on. Friday I was supposed to be observed by my principal, so I was stressing out about that, about the sermon. And you know what was crazy? We lost power on Thursday to Winman and they canceled school on Friday. Woo! So... So if you have kids in Winmen, sorry, God was just looking out for me. So I, he just wanted to make sure I was prepared. Um, so I'm just very, very thankful. God works in the, in all in these things, and I, you know, it's just amazing. When we commit and give time to Him, He He gives it back. And I just felt like that was a special story. I wanted to share with you. So God is working in the details. So I want to make sure that. The last couple sermons, I've gone low-tech, no slideshows, so I'm going to try to... You know, Patrick's really raising the bar for me. <laughs> so, so I want to talk about the woman at the well. We're going to wrap up the woman at the well, and I'm going to ask you... Now, this is the first time I'm ever going to probably ask you this. Don't open your Bibles yet. We're going to do something a little different today, and I think you'll enjoy it. But I quickly <laughs> want to go over just a review... So last couple lessons, we've talked about Jesus being the living water. So he, he was making his way towards Galilee, and he stopped in Samaria, which was a very unlikely thing for a Jewish rabbi to do. He struck up a conversation with the woman at the well, which was very odd for him to be doing this. And he talked about the living water. And he offered the living water to the woman at the well, water that never will leave you unsatisfied, a a water that quenches every thirst. And the woman says, in lesson two, Rich did, she says, oh yeah, give me this water. So she's thinking, hey, I I just want to make my life easier. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't get it yet. And then he challenges her sin, and that's because he loves her enough to tell her the truth. And so he's working through this conversation, and then she brings up, she does the age-old tactic of, let's change the subject. And not only that, we're going to use religious debate. What What a way to just get things derailed. So Jesus understands this, obviously, and talks about how we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so there's a balance in worship. We worship with our, you know, our emotions at times, but also with our mind. We should love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So every part of us, not just an emotional thing, but, a, but a, something that's true and from the word of God. Then the disciples show up and they're like, what's going on? He's talking to this lady. That's what is, it? you know, they went into town to get food and here he is talking to a lady. He shouldn't be doing this. That's odd. They don't say anything. But then Jesus challenges them to look up and see the harvest, that the harvest is ripe and ready. And he says, I have food that is beyond this world. It's, it's heavenly food. It's doing the will of the Father. So that's where we have been so far. Now, today's message is about how many find this truth, this living water, through the woman's testimony. So the, to start, the first part of the lesson, I want to teach a little bit differently um, I went to a Calvary Chapel ministry conference last year, and it was amazing. If you ever get to go, I'll have to tell you about it. Just ask me. But at this conference, I was introduced to a powerful tool called STS, Simply the Story. Has anyone ever heard of this? I'm just curious. Okay, good. So STS is a, an oral inductive Bible study method that is used throughout the world because did you know that 80% of the world is either illiterate or chooses not to read as their method for learning. So the STS method is an effective way to teach children and adults on the mission field, here at home, using oral storytelling methods. Now, we know that Jesus, he was the ultimate storyteller. So he used these methods, in fact. And STS is currently being used around the world. uh, So we can learn something so I hope that today you catch the vision and that you see this might be something you could use in your family if you're a grandparent grandkids love to hear stories they love this and in fact in preparing for this message I was using this at home and I was telling Vivian and Valencia the story and Genevieve's in the other room at bedtime and she says tell me the story tell me the story so it's a great way into uh, children's lives, and everybody loves a good story. Uh, now I'm not that creative, but what's the great news is that the story's already been told. It's in the Bible, so you're not doing anything out of the ordinary. You don't make it up. It's all there. You just tell what's in the Bible. Uh, so you let God's words speak. Through, by, it does the job and you create discussion and uh, application questions. And in your bulletin today, you have on the back, it's a folded bulletin so that you can actually cut this in half and put the backside in your Bible. And it's not only a great method to teach, it's a great method to study the Bible. It's basically an inductive Bible study. So you ask application questions. And you can see a list of those questions, uh, observation questions, application questions. So we're going to try it today. And this is something I'm still learning, so bear with me. You're a great audience, so I think it'll be great. But we have some class rules. Every good teacher has class rules. Okay, so we're back in the class. So here are the rules. I will tell a story, a true story from the Bible, God's Word. I'm going to ask a volunteer. If no one volunteers, I'm going to choose somebody (laughs) to come up and retell the story from memory. Okay? And those in the audience will help fill in the, the missing parts if you miss anything. So we're, we won't beat you up or uh, harm you in any way. It's, you just do your best. Then the volunteer will sit down and I will ask questions to the audience. Now, this is very important. If you want to answer a question, you have to raise your hand and wait to be called on. Don't just raise your hand and say, It was Jesus! That doesn't count. You have to wait to be called on, and if I don't know your name, I'm sorry. You also have to speak loud enough for others to hear. You're not gonna be miked, so and I'll try to repeat the answers for anybody watching at home. And please participate. You need a variety of participants, not the same people, Zeke. I know you know all the answers, but you gotta let others have a chance. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna tell the story. All right, so your Bibles are closed. So here we go. So the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Then the woman, leaving her water jar, went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They made their way out of the town, and they made their way toward him. So some of the people in the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when they made their way toward him, they urged him to stay with them, with them, and he stayed two days. Many more from that town became believers because of Jesus' words to them. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And that's the end of the story. So I need a volunteer, a brave volunteer, to see if they can come up and retell the story. Would you like to come up? Come on up. Okay, and we'll help you with anything. So you tell the story from beginning in- to end, and anything you forget will, f- will help you. Okay, the woman at the well... Oh, so you got to speak in real... The woman at the well met Jesus for the first time, and at first she didn't believe him. But then he told her everything that she had done in her whole life. And um, she went off to tell the people of her um, community. And um, so they came out to see for themselves... And that was wonderful that they even came. But um, then they believed for themselves after what Jesus told them. And that was a miracle in itself. Great, and there's one, that was great. And there's one more line at the end. What did the people say to to the woman? That that he is truly the Messiah. Great, awesome, great job. (laughs) Awesome, that was great. So, not much to fill in there, right? She was able to tell the story very well, very impressed. See, that's good. So, now I'm going to ask you some questions about the story. So, we're going to get the story again through question form. So, observation question. What did the woman say Messiah would do for them when he came? So, raise your hand. Here's where you participate. Yes. Yes. to absolutely explain everything to them right who did jesus declare he was to the woman messiah messiah the christ where did the woman go when she learned that it was jesus speaking to her where did she go mark she went back to her the village she went back to the town very good what did the woman leave behind her jar. Her water jar her water jar absolutely what did the woman do when she went back into town Them that she had met a man that told her everything. Yeah, what did she share with them? She shared her. <laughs> you caught yourself. I'll let you slide on that. Her testimony. What question did she ask the people in the town? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the Christ? What did the people do after hearing the woman's testimony? Linda, they went to see Jesus. They went to see him. Yeah, they made their way to him. What did the Samaritans urge Jesus to do? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's okay, Tony. To stay with them. Yeah. Did he? Did he listen to their invitation? Did he stay? Yes. Yes. How many? Two days. Good. So the Samaritans listened to Jesus' words. What happened as a result? Garrett. Oh. They <laughs> Good. I know you're with me. So sometimes I like to just surprise you. What did the people say to Jesus after spending two days with him? Truly you are the Messiah. Truly you are the Messiah. That's right. So the the people knew that after spending time with him. So those are simply observation questions from the Scripture. Now we're going to talk a little bit about application. What kind of tension was going on in the culture at this time between Jews and Samaritans? This could be a review from last time. Some tension, right? Yes, Stacy. They didn't like each other. They didn't like each other. So what kind of person was the woman? So, so there was some tension between their cultures, and also what kind of person was the woman from last from last week? She was a Samaritan, so there's that tension between Jews and Samaritans. Did she have a questionable past? Zeke? Yeah, she had five, five husbands. She had five husbands, and the, and the one she... she was with was not her husband. Absolutely, right, so... So what kind of barriers did Jesus cross in talking to the woman? Can you name some? Cultural. Yes. Cultural barriers. Uh, male, female. Male, female, so, yeah. And I'll help you with the, oh, you know? You like, talk to a sinner. Even yeah, the moral, yeah, moral barriers. You talk to a sinner, so we have social class. Uh, you know, sinner. You know, there's a sinner and a rabbi talking together. Very, very odd for that time, right? What does this show us about Jesus's care for people? Yes. He loves everyone. He loves everyone. He, he loves you where where you're at. But he did challenge her, right? Mm-hmm. So, loves us enough to change us. But he cares for all people. What were the disciples doing? Now, this wasn't from today's lesson, but I'm. Using a review. What, what were the disciples doing at this time? Dave? They were out getting food. They were out getting food. So that's interesting. What task was the woman doing before she met Jesus? Getting water. Linda? Getting water. getting water. Okay. Hmm. What choice did the woman have after she met Jesus concerning her water jar? What choice did she have? Val? She could take her jar, or she could leave it and go to Jesus' work. So who did Jesus choose to tell the Samaritans? Was it the disciples? Or the woman? William. The woman. The woman. What do you think this shows us about Jesus' choice of servant? Does that give us any insight into what kind of servant Jesus will choose? Yes. He can choose anyone, yeah. Sometimes the most unlikely person. Now, the woman had some barriers too, right? When she testified to her townspeople, what did she have to overcome? Her reputation. Her reputation, yeah. And she was talking to men as a woman, so that would have been another barrier. What did the people do after they heard her testimony? Again, one more time. So they wanted to go see. So when they heard for themselves, they believed Jesus. Many more became believers. So what does that tell us about Jesus' words? The Bible. What does that tell us? Some believed and then more believed. They're, Mary, they're... His words are powerful. Faith comes by hearing God's word. So now, I find it interesting. Jesus was by the well this whole time. The woman's doing the work, she goes into town. What does that show us about our role in sharing the gospel? What does that show us? Jim? To go and tell a story. Yeah. Does Jesus do that all himself? He had helpers. So people are involved in this process of sharing the gospel. That's very powerful, yes. And then he's always there and steadfast. He's always there. So he's waiting, and the people were brought to him. Is there an example to follow in this story? Absolutely, share with your community, wherever you can, share the story. And the people realized that Jesus was the Savior, of the world. So, is he the savior of just the Jews? Just the Samaritans? No, the people proclaimed he's the savior of the world. Now, when we read God's word, we should respond to it. So, is there anything we can pray about? We could pray to follow the woman's example. We could pray that we would believe and obey, like the woman did, leaving her jar and going back into town to tell us about. Christ. We can pray about that. And we can thank Jesus that he's the Savior of the world. Let's pray right now. So Lord, thank you for the woman at the well and her example. Lord, she had a lot of over, uh, barriers to overcome. And Lord, we do too. Fear, maybe our reputation, maybe we don't know enough. God, but this woman is a great example of just having bold faith. So help us, Lord, to share your word in our communities like this woman and give us your power to do that. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the Savior of the world. You're the Savior of the Jews, the Samaritans, Gentiles, every race and every culture and every tongue on the face of this planet. Jesus, you are the Savior, and we look to you. So, Lord, help us to trust and obey like the woman. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that is simply the story. Now let's all go home. No, the children's ministry would kill me if I released you. <laughs> but that's a great way to teach the Bible to people. Now, I, I was thinking, even, uh, I think I might try this next Christmas we have, and I have all my nieces and nephews around. You know, it's, if you take out the Bible and you're reading like this, it, it might not mean as much if you know the story and you could tell the Christmas story. That's something I've just been meditating on. Man, what, what opportunities would this open up for me to share the gospel uh, in my family's life? Some of them who don't know the Lord, but are open to, you know, the Christmas story and, and things like that. So I'm, I'm just thinking of that personally, how that could be used. So thank you for participating with me. That was a lot of fun. So, I do want to talk about, specifically, now you can open your Bibles now. I would be remiss if I made you leave here without opening your Bible. So, John chapter 4. And this passage is verses 25 and 26, and then we skip the disciples part, and then 39 through 42. And if you have the NIV version, hopefully I was almost word for word from the NIV version. So I want to talk about the woman's, real quick, uh, the second half of the message here, I want to talk about the woman's barriers and how that relates to us and how we can learn something from the barriers she overcame. So first of all, we might say things like, I'm not an evangelist. When I think of you know, the ideal evangelist, I don't think of myself, and I certainly don't think of the woman at the well who didn't have all their facts straight and who barely just met the Lord. So I think of people like, I think of Billy Graham when I think of the ideal evangelist. So what, you me? You want me to do what? Now, we have a, why, not, why didn't Jesus send a well-educated rabbi? I mean, even his disciples, they were busy getting food, but the woman was doing his work. So a very unlikely candidate. In fact, Wiersbe, Warren Wiersbe says, the rabbi said it is better that the word of the law be burned than be delivered to a woman. But Jesus did not agree with that narrow prejudice. So not only was the woman an unlikely candidate to teach the Bible, she was an unlikely candidate to receive the words of God. So this woman had no pedigree, right? She, had, she did not have a moral, you know, a clean track record. So she was, you know, already had some strikes against her. But God chose her, and the disciples, you know, they were busy bringing food, which is important, but this woman's bringing in the harvest. And I would like you to turn, this is one of my favorite scriptures, so you're not going to turn to many scriptures besides this today, but 1 Corinthians 1 is a great one. You should, If you don't have it marked in your Bible, you should. 1 Corinthians 1. Starting in 26, verse 26. I can relate with the woman. I don't have a great pedigree. I don't have a great track record, you know, before I met Jesus. Okay, so it says this Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So why does God choose unlikely characters? Because it's all about him. It's not about the vessel. It's about what's in the vessel, namely himself and his word and his work. So this is exciting to me because I know that God doesn't choose me on the basis or choose you on the basis of your good works or your good looks or your pedigree or your um, history the woman, there, there's really two qualifications that I see. The woman had to encounter Christ for herself, so she had to meet Jesus, and she had a humble repentance and obedience. So she did have to lay down some of uh, her sin and, or lay down her sin and repent. And I believe that she did that, and that's in the story. Okay, so, so that, that, so that's the solution. This woman, she could have said, I'm not qualified. I can say that too. You could say it. But that we just blew that excuse out of the water. All right. See, so you're qualified on the grounds of, of what Christ says about you and what he's doing in his call. Now, another excuse or barrier that we might use is. You ready for this? I'm too busy. I gotta fill my water jar, I gotta do some chores. I don't have time for this, Jesus. I don't have time to do your your work. So what what is the water jar? To me, it's a picture of, we're busy. We have things to do. I have places to go, people to meet, lessons to teach. You know, I got wrestling practice. I got, my kids gotta go to sports. You know, I gotta run them all over town. I got reports to write, my work to do. Now, the woman set aside a temporary need for a heavenly calling. She, you know, the water was temporary. It would satisfy her thirst temporarily, but doing the work of God was going to fulfill her long term and eternal. So we can take a note. I have many water pots that, things I need to do. I am the last person that should be standing up here. I'm the last person that should be. Teaching in the back. I have so many excuses of other things. I need. I have five kids. I got, you know, I got things to do. You know, and I pick up some water pots. You know, I just hobbies that I have. So I'm guilty. But I think the solution here is: Are we open to Jesus interrupting our lives or our plans for greater eternal purpose? So are we open to it? And I think it's listening to that still, small voice. I don't know about you, but there are times I hear God speak to me, not in an audible voice, but in his spirit, in my heart, like, put that aside. We're done with that for now. And there are times I obey that, and there are times that I don't. the times that I obey, I find that God maximizes time somehow. He cancels school. <laughs> Last year, he gave me two snow days before I preached. That's, so this is the second year, so... Uh, <laughs> So God somehow finds a way, and my wonderful wife, and you know, the people in your lives, they will, they will come alongside you and help you in this work that you're doing, and he provides, and so I can testify to that. Another thing to overcome is that uh, we might say, oh, I don't know enough. Why well, didn't I go to Bible college? I'm Oh, preacher, what do I know? Now, it's not what you know. It's who you know. In fact, she didn't really have all the facts. She exaggerated a little bit. She said, he told me everything I ever did. Now, is that, is that true? No. No, she exaggerated. She, she, didn't have, she barely knew the truth, and now she's a missionary. <laughs> Let's. So I think the key to remember is our role in evangelism. Our role is not to argue somebody into the kingdom. Our role is not to convince somebody through intellectual means. Our role is to have a testimony, a firsthand account. So testify, the word testify is a firsthand authentication of a fact. To testify is to make a statement based on a personal knowledge or belief to bear witness. I can know all about somebody or some thing, but to know it, to experience it, is the authentic uh, testimony that we bring to people. Now, Jesus said it this way, you're, you're salt, you're the salt. You make people thirsty by your example, by your walk, by when you have peace, when you have joy. Man, that makes them thirsty. Where, did, where is the source of this water to quench my thirst? And you bring them to Jesus. And I'll use my salvation experience as an example. In high school, I was uh, seven, seven, 16, 17 years old, and I met a friend who was a bad dude got kicked out of school and suddenly he's back on the scene and he's talking about Jesus this Jesus that Jesus set me free Jesus I'm like oh my goodness but he didn't know a lot but there was something about his testimony his authentic relationship with Christ that made me hungry so I remember spending time with all my bad news friends and he was there in our midst telling us about Jesus and that that sparked something, I wanted to go to church. What is, I wanted to find out more. Was there something about this that I want to know more about? And it brought me to Christ and through that experience, through that testimony, it brought me to Him. And you might have similar experiences. Now Paul is an example, he had all the facts, he had the pedigree, Paul the, the Apostle, he had the pedigree, he, had the, you know, he, he was trained under Gamaliel, the Jewish teacher, he had everything. But he did not have the revelation of who Christ was. He was actually persecuting Christians. It wasn't until Emmaus, the road to Emmaus or Damascus, that he encountered the living person of Christ. And it changed everything. He said, I count that all as lost, that history, that pedigree, all that, I count it all as lost for the knowledge of Christ. And that's what we can have. We can have an authentic testimony i know god is real not because of what some you know textbook says i know god is real because i experience him in my life i experience his presence i see him answer prayer it's not all feelings but i do see god working in people's lives around me in my own life sometimes once in a while i read scripture and it's like wow it's like jesus is in the room it's like this is amazing his presence is here and so sometimes that's there, sometimes not, but I, but I know that he's real. He's working in my life. I see him bless when I obey. And I see the opposite when I turn my back. I see the struggle just like the Israelites wandering through the desert that I face. Now, should we learn to study? Should we learn? Should we study? Yes, the Bible speaks to study to show thyselves approved a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I'm not saying that, but it's never too early to evangelize. And our greatest tool of evangelism is having spent time with Jesus. Acts 4.13. You know the story, Peter and John, they're witnessing, ministering. The Jewish people, those trained in religious laws, are like, what is going on with these guys? When they saw the courage, this is Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, right, fishermen, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What made the difference? They had been with Jesus. Now, you might say, well, how can I know Jesus? Jesus is not here physically. That's not fair. This woman has an advantage, Actually, John 16, 5 says, But I tell you the truth, it is good, this is Jesus speaking, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who is the Counselor? The Holy Spirit. Now, the knowability of God, God is knowable. To know him, we have to know him by faith, and in the spirit through our, what I would like to call the sixth sense. And I don't mean the Bruce Willis movie. (laughs) Right, Bruce Willis, right? Not that one. But our spiritual connection with God through faith. Now there's an author that I read recently. Half of the book went over my head because he's an astrophysicist. But one thing I took away uh, was this author, Hugh Ross, he puts it this way. We are in a a four-dimensional reality. So we have height, so we have length, width, height, and time. So four dimensions. Now God is not bound to those four dimensions in, his, in the spiritual sense. So Jesus, when he was here, he was born as a child like us. He, he limited himself. He's God, but he limited himself in the sense of putting himself in a four-dimensional reality. So he could only be in one place at one time. Now that he's gone to heaven, he sends the spirit. The spirit is, can be... Everywhere the Spirit of Christ can be everywhere at once. So that's a fascinating idea. He can, God can hear every one of our prayers at the same time. So in every moment, if you take a timeline infinitely uh, perpendicular to the to our flat timeline, infinitely perpendicular, one second can be billions of billions and billions of seconds. So in that one moment, God can hear everybody's prayers. He can work. And not only can he work in one spot in the timeline, but he's the future, the past, all at once, orchestrating everything. It's amazing. So it was a good book. I like this quote. So I'm not going to get too heady on you, but his quote. Oh, it's not working. Either. Okay. So I'll read this, and then your brain will. You know. So because we are spiritual beings, we humans can pray. Through prayer, we can cross the space-time manifold of the cosmos and, confer, and converse with God in his extra-dimensional realm. Because prayer is extra-dimensional in its reach, it must be considered the most powerful capacity God has made available to us in our current dimensional context. Prayer is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in prayer where the time doesn't matter? And you look up and you're like, wow, I've been sitting here for an hour and I didn't really... Sometimes that happens, and I think it's in those moments that we are really uh, communing with God in a, in a real powerful way. Some scriptures I just want to throw out to boost your faith. If you seek Him, He will be found by you. First Chronicles 28.9 Come near to God, and He will come near to you. James 4.8 The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Psalm 145.18 I, the Lord live in a high and holy place but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. And this is one of my favorites. Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, Hebrews eleven six. So the faith factor, that sixth sense of faith, as we exercise that faith, as I come to him, maybe I don't feel it in that moment, but through faith I obey. And then I see God, Jesus said, you know, go into your closet, close the door, and the Father will reward you openly when you, when you obey that and when you pray. So the woman overcame uh, this barrier that, um, what was the barrier again? I the authentic testimony. So we, we, we gain an authentic testimony through spending time with him. Some call call it quiet time, some call it together time. You're spending time together with Christ. And the woman met Jesus, so she met him. She had something to say, and that leads me to my next point, they won't listen to me. The last one, I'm just me, they won't listen to me. You know, she didn't have much cred, as they would say. You know, her credibility was in question. Why did the people in the town listen to this woman who didn't have a great reputation? What was it about her testimony that made them listen? I'd like to think it has something to do with her enthusiasm. Yeah. Hey, come, <sighs> spit it out! What do you want to say? Land the plane, uh, Jesus! He told me everything. I, this is crazy. Could it be the Christ? Come, just let, come on. Let's woo. And something about her enthusiasm sparked an interest. They were at least curious. And in a lot of ways, they didn't really give her much credit. What did they say in the end? Yeah, we, you know, it's like, here, you think you're something special, bringing us to Jesus. We don't believe because what you said. Look, we got Jesus now. So, but I don't hear the woman complain. And people might disregard us, but who cares? So what? They, they, you bring them to Jesus. I, you know, it's gonna. I think it was Paul said, right? I'll be a fool for Christ. And sometimes we put ourselves—we can look real foolish, you know. Just teach children's ministry, (laughs) right? You can look real foolish crawling around the floor in a costume, you know. But it's—but the word is—is there something about her enthusiasm, her testimony, caused them to be interested? Maybe it was a notable change. Maybe this woman had, you know, certain. unsatisfied needs that, you know, maybe she was down and out, and suddenly she's excited about something. What is it? You know, let's go find out. Now, the last part of the message I want to talk about is that God works. How does God work? Through magic, through signs and wonders sometimes, but primarily God has chosen to work through his word. And what I really like about this story compared to others is a lot of the other ministries of Jesus, they are accompanied with healings. But in this one, it's straight up the word. Just look. It's It's the woman's testimony, and it's also Jesus spent time with them. It doesn't say that he was doing miracles. Maybe he was, but he says he spent time with them and shared his word. Look how many words that are related to word or You know, speak, okay? So the Messiah will explain everything. Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. The woman said to the people, a man told me. The woman's testimony is what they listened to. He, again, told me. Because of his words, many more became believers. What you said and we heard for ourselves. So that's 10 examples in this short passage. Just the power of words. What does this tell us? The power of the gospel is in words, your testimony and the word of God. The power to convert souls is in the word. The people didn't come. They, it says they heard and they believed. Not, they, they didn't see and believe. They heard. And so I think this is a good thing to Remember? Because I don't feel very, a lot of times, very miraculous. You know, I'm I'm not raising people from the dead. I don't typically do that. Most of my day is very practical. Um, But there are opportunities to share his word and share my testimony, what he's done. Romans 10, 17, right, talks about faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So their faith, their faith did a transfer, right? They transferred their faith from her words to Christ's words. So the goal is to go from the servant to the source. So I've heard Rich say this up front: he said, "Don't take my word for it. If I start saying stuff up here that's not according to God's word, you know, just there's the door. Leave, right? So we know this to be to be true. So there there was a transfer." They said, we no longer believe, verse 42, John 4, if you're not there, John 4, 42, says, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. Excuse me. So the woman was instrumental in bringing her community to Christ. So there was a progression of their faith. So they went from following human words you know, they made their way towards him out of curiosity, perhaps. They spent some more time with him. And finally, they confessed him as the savior of the world. So my challenge to you today, is: you know, what is your community? Yes, we're all not Billy Grahams, but the thing about Billy Graham uh, to remember is there's a lot of people behind those ministries working. There are neighbors bringing those folks to those, um, uh, what would you call them? Uh, crusades. Yes, so there's people involved in those crusades to bring them. So it's not just the Billy Grahams. It's you. It's each one of us. So we each have a community. Your community is unique. It's different than my community. So we each have a responsibility. Romans 10, 14. You want to turn there? Give you some. Get your fingers warm. Your finger's getting cold. So. Romans 10, 14. So we have a job to do. And through the woman's example, we just blew out of the water, speaking of water, every excuse, well, at least four major ones that you could use. So God wants to use us. He wants to use me. Romans ten fourteen. I hear pages. Okay, I'll start. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So you have beautiful feet today, and you can bring God's good news to your community. In conclusion, Annie is going to kill me, so I'm wrapping it up. All right, she's back there teaching. She said, you better not end early. Um, So in conclusion, so we want to wrap it up. I like conclusions. I like summaries. I like to get my kids to write summaries, and they hate it because they write whole pages. I'm like, that's not a summary. So let's put it all in a nutshell. So I'm going to read this. Our verbal testimony of an authentic encounter with Jesus. Along with God's living and active word is the method God has chosen to increase faith, convert souls, and bring in the harvest within each of our communities. So God chose this method. And he chose you to take his word, take his good news, to testify. But it's not up to you. He is the savior of the world, not the woman, not me, not you. We're just instruments. So I just want to challenge you with that. So let's let's pray. So where are you today? Which character can you identify with? And Lord, we're each in a different place in our journey. Some are seeking. Some are curious. Maybe they look at you you're you're, a, you're an interesting man. You're you're maybe a prophet. Or maybe we've come to the point where we say you are, you are the Messiah and we need to take the message to others. Or wherever we're at, I just pray you would get us to that next step. Uh, through your word, just build faith in us. Help us to be disciplined. Be in your word even when we don't feel like it. Uh, even when we're hurt, when we're sad or distrustful of you. God, forgive us when we don't open our mouths. Lord, we have no excuse really. We, we do know enough. We know you, if we've met you. Lord, we know enough to, to share the gospel. and So help us, Lord. Give us boldness. Give us faith. Thank you, Lord. Your word says we shall receive power when your Holy Spirit comes upon us to be your witnesses uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So, Lord, so anybody here, perhaps you choose to send some of us, Lord, out, not only in our local communities, but across cultural boundaries and borders. God, just use us uh, in this church. Let our church be a place to send people. Uh, Help us in our missionary ministry to just be open to you, Lord. Interrupt our lives. Lord, help us to be aware, Lord, of what you're trying to do and how you want to interrupt our lives to use us. Uh, Let us be open to that. Lord, you are the living water. You are our spiritual food. Jesus, you are the answer for all time, for all people. Uh, so Lord, go before us this week. Continue to bless Rich and Paula in their ministry there in California. Continue to bless our body here. Thank you that your word is powerful. and Just let it work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.